All right, going back to uh, last week, real quickly, last week we started a series called In Training. And um, we asked a few questions last week about being and making disciples, um, about in training, about that whole theme. We asked, what are we training for? And identifying the fact that we are training here on earth and in our earthly lives. We are training for eternity. We're training for the kingdom of God. God is coming and he's bringing his kingdom with him. And we will be with him here forever in his kingdom. And so we talked about the fact that that's what we're training for in our lifetimes. It's not just our, we don't just make our focus, our lives on earth this short time. We're training for eternity and we've got to live in that reality. And then we talked about who are we training under? And the reality is, of course, that we're training under Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk more about that today. And we talked about the question, who are we training with? The fact that God has put us in this place together as a church. And his family trains together for what's ahead, for all of eternity. And later in this series, we're going to address that in a a deep way and, and really get into that and flesh that out. Last week, we talked about marathons and marathoners. And I have invited Dave Teal to come up here. Come on up, Dave. And he is going to share. You may remember just a real brief bit of what he said last week about his experience in marathons and his experience training. He's going to give us a little more insight on how to train for a marathon. And so this will get us caught up on where we were and where we're going today. So, Dave, tell us your story. Um, well, one thing I... I can uh, actually be used as a great bad example. That's, uh, <laughs> that's how it started. Fourteen years ago, I decided to run a marathon. Uh, I made many training and equipment mistakes. I, I didn't have any kind of a plan. I believed that my uh, strong will, some people might say bullheadedness, could carry me through a marathon of 26.2 uh, miles. So I didn't train enough. Uh, the most I ran was eight miles in any training session. I didn't lose enough weight. I don't think anyone over 160 pounds should run a marathon. <laughs> uh, I selected improper equipment. The shoes I wore were too small. They worked fine for short training runs, but uh, your feet change over 26.2 miles. So I started out way too fast. I was running with my daughter, Allie, and my son, and my nephew. They just took off. You know, they're young and thin, and At 10 miles, I realized, really, that's when I first realized what kind of a mistake I had made. I sent them off, go ahead, and then their reality starts to hit. I'm alone with 7,000 people, and I start watching them pass me. First, it's the young and fit. (laughs) Then it's the middle-aged people that are a little more fit than me. Then it's the older people than me. Then it's the heavier people than me. And pretty soon, it's just an alone feeling. You're there with 7,000 people, but you're alone. Uh, Then at the end of the marathon, they have a, a man that comes with this bus. And he comes creeping up behind you really slowly. And he comes like about that far away from you. And he, you want a ride? You want to get in the bus? And I literally turned to him and just said, get behind me, Satan. No, no. And he did it maybe six or seven times where he would come up and say, you want to ride? No. Uh, so I, I, I finished the marathon. 
at, at 20 miles, my son-in-law came up to me and gave me some fruit and water, and he looked at me, and Tony is, is as or more competitive than I am, which is way out of line, and said to me, are you going to finish this marathon? And I remember that's the first moment I thought I was going to finish. I said, I am going to finish this if I have to crawl across the finish line on bloody stumps. That was my response to him. He probably remembers that. And sure enough, I got to the end finally, just putting one foot in front of the other, six and a half hours of running. And uh, eight of my ten toenails had ripped off my feet and were kind of tearing at my toes and feet inside of my shoes. Uh, Made it to the hotel, laid in the shower, uh, let the shower just run water on me, couldn't get up. They called the ambulance. Uh, Ambulance came. They couldn't find my veins. They were so collapsed. They couldn't get an IV in me. Went to the hospital, got fluids. Um, For about two weeks, I felt just really terrible. It It was not a good experience. And really, what I learned about it is that I, as a competitive person, and I I think this is maybe partially a man thing, is that when we say the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, we just stop at the first line. I can do all things. We forget about that second line, which is the most important part of the whole verse. So, uh, train. Training is super important. Highly recommend it. <laughs> you just said that down there. <laughs> Take that one, too. <laughs> that is so motivating, Dave. <laughs> That, so that's going to be my threshold. I will, I will try to get myself down to 165 pounds, and then I don't have to run a marathon because I'll take your advice. <laughs> there is a wrong way to train, and this morning we're going to talk about the wrong way to train for eternity. Some of the things that get in our way, some of the mistakes that we make in this thing that we're doing on earth in training for the kingdom of heaven. And so I want to go into some of those things. And, and like Dave has so kindly modeled for us, there are wrong ways to train, but there are also right ways to train. And this series is about training to be disciples and disciple makers. And in this message this morning, I want to address our perspective when it comes to that training. Last week, we took our our preconceived ideas about Jesus' command to go and make disciples, and we put those in a box, and we sealed the box, and we stored it away until later, and we're going to address a lot of that this morning about some of the misconceived ideas that we have, the, the misconceptions that we have. So let's start with some of the things that can get us off track in our training. What are some of the wrong ways to go about training to be disciples and disciple makers? Here are some possible obstacles for any of us, and this can apply to us no matter where we're at in our walk with the Lord. We may have been walking with him for our entire lives, and still these obstacles exist for us. These are things we may not have overcome at this point. So I don't think this applies to just brand new runners. The first obstacle to our training is as simple as this. We make ourselves the center of our training. 
We make ourselves the center of our training. Last week, I asked about the motivation for running a marathon. What's your motivation? What is the goal of running a marathon? And I heard a lot of answers that had to do with what it means to you personally. You're motivated to improve yourself, to improve your health, to show yourself, to prove to yourself that you can do it. And I am not criticizing those motives at all. Those are legitimate reasons to run a marathon or join a CrossFit club or a gym or something that involves training. There's a lot of value in that pursuit. And I admire the fact that you do things like train to run in a marathon without the promise of a trophy or a prize or a check or something like that. And so this is where the the marathon analogy in our study part ways. Being a disciple of Jesus and a disciple maker in God's kingdom comes with a completely different motivation, a different goal. The goal for me as a disciple of Jesus is not me. It's not me. I don't follow Jesus to make myself a better person. I don't follow Jesus to prove anything to myself. I don't follow Jesus for my own sake. In fact, Jesus said some very direct things to us about what it means to train for the kingdom. Here's one of the most powerful and most difficult things that he ever said about this. This is Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he and Jesus said to all who were there, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So first of all, Jesus declares the core of being a disciple and a disciple maker right here. If anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, and we'll talk more about this a little bit later on, but that's the essence of training for the kingdom, for eternity. Follow Jesus. It's at the core of what it's about. Then he says that we must do something very difficult and in many ways painful. We have to deny ourselves. So the idea of doing this for ourselves doesn't fit in this training program. Instead of being motivated to better ourselves, Jesus is telling us to deny ourselves. The goal is not me. The goal is Jesus and his kingdom, not me and my kingdom. The next obstacle to our training that I want to address is this. We can easily get caught thinking that we'll receive our reward for our training now. In this life, before we die, sometimes we expect that things are going to get better for us or that we'll receive some sort of payment for being disciples and disciple makers. Throughout the Bible, we find evidence to the contrary, like Moses, who never got to enter the promised land, like Jesus' disciples, who were all executed for their faith, except for the one who died in exile. His followers were frequently martyred for their faith in him. To this day, the persecution of disciples of Jesus is widespread. Training for eternity does not promise reward in this lifetime. Things are not guaranteed to get easier, to get better. We aren't promised the ribbon or the trophy before we die. Paul understood this clearly. Listen to how he expresses this. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, 
and not only to me, but, to all, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul spent his life after meeting Jesus, training for eternity, tremendous model, but he was not training with the goal of receiving his prize before he died. His words are beautiful and hopeful here, and he reminds us that we will receive, you and I will receive, that same crown, the crown of righteousness. Peter struggled with this early on. So he asked Jesus what they were going to get for following him. Jesus told him about the power that they would be given in the new world, but not then. They couldn't expect that their reward was going to come in this life. As disciples of Jesus, there are more potential obstacles to our training, like this one. One of our goals in our training for eternity can become the goal of impressing other people. Dave was driven to finish his marathon because of his competitiveness. He was going to prove Tony wrong. He was going to impress Tony and himself. You've heard me address this before. One of the most toxic threats to God's family is comparison and competition. We do this far too much. It's part of my reasoning in having you wear the in-training labels last Sunday. Ranking each other, comparing ourselves to each other, competing with each other. None of these have any place in God's call to train for eternity. They just don't. We're not training to impress others. We're not training to think more highly of ourselves than others. Jesus had to help his disciples understand this at one point. In John 21, Peter asked Jesus about the status of the other disciples, looking for Jesus to express some sort of ranking system among them. This was Jesus' response in John 21, verses 20 to 22. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, who is writing this, following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Peter wanted to know who was going to live and die before Jesus came back, But Jesus shut down any attempts to compete or compare among his disciples. He still does the same thing with us. He doesn't want that from us. The next obstacle that's worth mentioning is this. Um, We get lost as disciples of Jesus looking for the best method for our training. Is there one strategy that works best for being a disciple and a disciple maker? What tool is going to make me better at this? What is my personal training style? This is especially true when it comes to making disciples. I want a strategy that I'm comfortable with and that I'm confident about. And I'm an introvert, so it better be a good strategy. I want a low contact, low risk, low input, low courage, low embarrassment strategy. In fact, maybe something that doesn't involve other people at all. I'm not going to get into this today, but later in the series, we're going to dig into this thoroughly. And I'm very hopeful about what we're going to discover together. But there's more. Let's acknowledge a few more obstacles to our training. Like this one. I have found myself believing that I am a better disciple on my own. I wouldn't do the group thing when I was younger. 
I avoided it like the plague. Jesus wanted a personal decision from me. I I was sure that he wanted a personal journey from me as well. It can't really be important to him to to have me train with others, can it? Well, here's the, the challenge that often comes from studying God's word. Every time you go back and read something that you've read before, it seems like you see, you see something new. That's what it was like with me in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That was a really motivating verse to me about my personal race. Except for the fact that he says, since we are surrounded, let us also lay aside every weight and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Our individualistic faith clashes strongly with the Bible. Don't train alone, church. We grow better together. And there's this obstacle to our training We think sometimes that we can be the disciple and disciple makers that Jesus called us to be if we try really hard. Dig deep, pull up our socks, find our inner strength, do better, try harder. And if we do that, we're going to prevail. And once again, our training for eternity can't just go directly against what we see in the Bible. This is not about our effort. Paul made it clear that we are to strive and to persevere. But he also made it clear that our training does not depend on our efforts. This is what he said in Galatians 2 verse 20. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we'll talk more about what this looks like as well. But our training does not hang on our efforts. If you feel like you're failing as a disciple and a disciple maker, your solution is not necessarily to just try harder. More on that later in the series as well. And then there's this obstacle. Training for eternity is not some random exercise. It doesn't happen without a plan. Paul recognized this. His words in 1 Corinthians 9.26 are pretty clear. He said, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. That's not random training. He has more to say in Philippians 2.16 as well. He says, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul held fast to the word of life. Paul held fast to Jesus, the blueprint for our training. If we're training according to God's plan, we're not training in vain. The last obstacle that I'll address is this one. We live in an age of celebrity following. The fitness world is no exception. I've watched some CrossFit competitions. They're amazing. I've seen Spartan events. I love American Ninja Warrior. There's a lot of competition in these things between gym owners and personal trainers. Which one's the best? Which one is going to help us reach our goal? 
That mentality is found in the realm of training for eternity as well. It's been there for a very long time. Paul got it. And so he said this to disciples of Jesus in the New Testament church. This is 1 Corinthians 12. It says, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And Paul responds to this division by pointing out to the church that they are Christ's followers and his followers only. He states that the rest of them are nothing. Only Jesus is worth following. Only God brings success in the training. All right, so what are your personal obstacles? What is it that you think is holding you back in your training for eternity, for the kingdom of heaven? Identify it today. Identify it right now and deal with it. Don't let anything keep you from the training that God has called us to. You're not the center of that training. Your reward is not coming in this lifetime. Stop worrying about impressing others. Stop looking for the right method. Do not train alone. Stop thinking that trying harder is the answer. Don't get caught training without a plan and let go of your celebrity trainers. But enough of the obstacles for now. On to some things that are truly at the core of this training that we're looking at for the next little while as a church. I'll introduce you to three core values of our training for eternity. We're just going to touch on them really briefly here today. And interestingly, these are very ironic values. Sometimes it's funny how God thinks and works. As I saw these things revealed to me, I had to laugh at how they they fit or, or didn't fit with our understanding of training for eternity and our understanding of training in general, how much they they didn't fit with that, how much they clash with that. Value number one is this. In 1986, and here I go showing my age again, there was a band called the Altar Boys that released a song called Life Begins at the Cross. It's a song that I cannot get out of my head. It's been there since 1986, and every so often, probably more than any other song, this song comes to mind, and I, and I find myself singing it over and over again in my head. She had the same reaction to that song, and it comes back to her again and again and again. And when it came out, it impacted my wife so much that she made this jean jacket, and on the back, she wrote, Life Begins at the Cross. And do you know why she did this? This was a conversation starter for someone who is madly in love with Christ and wanted to tell others about him. This is how she got it going. Thank you. You may go and sit down. <laughs> Listen, as painful as it can be to go back here, um, let's go to the crucifixion again and listen to Jesus speak his last words. This is John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30. Jesus is hanging on the cross at this point. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. 
A jar full of sour wine stood there, and so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I want you to try to wrap your head around this with me. Our training for eternity begins with Jesus' words, it is finished. That's where we begin. We start our journey as disciples of Jesus at the finish line. We do not train all of our lives as disciples of Jesus with the goal of accomplishing what Jesus already accomplished on the cross. Start there. It is finished. The price has been paid. Our holiness has been purchased already. Our sin has been forgiven. Our debt has been paid in full. That's not what being a disciple is about. We don't live to earn what Jesus has already attained for us. We start at the cross. The second value in our training is this. Stand directly behind your coach. There's some strange advice to someone who's training. Get really, really close to the one that you're training under. Why? Because the goal of your training, the goal of my training, is to become just like him. So we have to be close enough to touch him. Jesus said this of following him in John 12, 26. He said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Wherever he is, we're there too. Wherever he is, that's where we are. He said that his sheep follow him and they know his voice. They get that from being close to him. When Jesus called his disciples, he called them to follow him. And the disciples did. They gave up everything to follow him. That's how they trained. They stayed with him. They stayed close to him. They left anything that might keep them from him. And they stayed with him. Brothers and sisters, stay close to Jesus. Stay close to him. That's how we train. We never leave his side. We follow his voice, his steps, everything. We'll come back to that next week. The last value that I'll point out regarding our training is this. It's another strange one. Stay where you are. More sound advice to someone in training. Just stay. Don't go anywhere. You'll train best right where you are. So what could that mean? I want to end the message today with this. These are Jesus' words about our training. And I want you to just listen to them. This is John chapter 15, the first 11 verses. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
And every branch that does, not, does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father's glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy Maybe full. Chapel Hill, our training is Jesus Christ. It's not religion. It's not behavior. Our training is Jesus Christ. It's not a long list of rules that we're to follow, do's and don'ts. It is Jesus Christ. It begins and ends there. It begins with the work that he finished on the cross. And it requires that we follow him close enough to hear him breathing. And for the duration of our training, we stay right with him. We abide in him and him in us. And we're going to work on doing this next week and throughout the series. Jesus is our training. So church, let's do away with our obstacles and focus solely on Jesus. We are his disciples. And he will use us to be his disciple makers. But it is all about Jesus. Let's work on that together. No matter where we're at in our lives, no matter where we're at in our walk with the Lord, In this series, we will make our focus Jesus because he is our training. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward now to take our offering and Lucita and the worship team to come and take their place. And we're going to close our service together with a time of worship. And as we begin our time of worship, we're going to start it with a declaration that we'll make together. And it's simply this, Christ is enough for me. He's enough for me because he is my training. And my prayer is that you'll be able to sing that with authenticity, with passion, with love in your voice, meaning what you sing, that he is enough, that Christ is enough. Let go of this idea that you have to accomplish some sort of training to gain his approval, to reach him where he's at. You start With his words, it is finished. His work is complete.
He is enough for you and for me. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for for the blessings that you have poured out on us, for reminding us that our pursuit is Jesus, that our pursuit is not to impress. Our pursuit is not to be the best people that we can be. Our pursuit is Jesus. And I ask, Father, on behalf of this church, that you would bring us to that place, all of us, every single one of us, to that place where our pursuit is your Son. Our pursuit is Jesus Christ. Our desire is to be like him. Our choice is to stay right with him. And our lives are given to abide in him. And allow him to abide in us. Father, will you help us with this? Will you help us to realize that this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? And that as we abide in him and become more and more every day, his disciples, people who are more like him, that you will then transform us into fruit-bearing disciple-makers. God, help us to get that in the right order so that we understand that, that we're not just following the commands to go and do things for you, but we begin in a loving relationship with you that is completely and entirely centered around Jesus Christ. Father, as we look at the things that keep us from that, the the ideas that we have that are not correct when it comes to being a disciple, when it comes to training for eternity, God, will you help us each to identify what it is that's holding us back, what it is that needs to be overcome, what it is that we need to let go of. It's not about us. Teach us that. Teach us to fix our eyes solely and completely on Jesus Christ. Teach us to hear his words spoken from the cross when he said, it is finished. To agree with him there. To meet him as he rose from the dead and enter into new life. Focus solely on becoming like him. Trusting fully on him abiding in us, making us the disciples and disciple makers that he desires us to be for all of eternity. Father, thank you for the promise of eternity when all this will be sorted out, when we will be perfect, when our relationship with you will be flawless, when we will live here with you face to face. In the meantime, walk us through this training for eternity. Thank you for being everything for us. Thank you that we can honestly say Christ is enough. Help us to stand on that. Praise you for the work that's been done for us. 
We praise you for the journey ahead for us as a church, for us as individuals. And we pray all this in the name of the one who is enough, in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.